Hello and welcome to Radio Free Nintendo, episode 360. On this episode, we'll be uh, devoting the entire episode to the Xbox 360. Uh, Retrospective on the console that... The console that was. The console that made you turn 360 degrees and walk away. That's right. Uh, Reflecting with me on the last uh, fabulous eight years of Xbox 360, we have... God, that console in eight years! (laughs) We have James (laughs) Jones. That's so unbelievable. Uh, James Jones. Uh, we also have uh, uh, mon ami Monsieur Guillaume Vert. I actually think it's the right time now to get a 360. I can't <laughs> wait. You know, yeah. you know, it's not it's not a bad time to get a 360. They're dirt Pick up that is. and your Wii Mini this holiday season. Hmm. And uh, John is actually traveling to Canada this week. He's uh, he's afraid of American holidays. He doesn't like them. Uh, he's already had his Canadian Thanksgiving. He saw so, Thanksgiving uh, last weekend. This is what happened. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's taking his time off from work and uh, going to visit family up in Canada. And uh, Guy, I hope he swings by your neck of the woods, but probably not. So uh, we have a special guest, our old friend, Mr. Nate Andrews. Guys, it's it's... It's been like a solid year since I've been on this show, but oh, wow. I'm, I'm glad you've been able to keep it going in my absence. <laughs> it hasn't been that long because you were on our. Uh, well, oh, we technically, s- we saw that you was at live show. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. So Nate, it, since it has been a while since you were on, um, you you are not on the staff of Nintendo World Report anymore. Um, you're too nope. good for us. So can you tell us what mm. what you've been up to since then? Um, so I'm trying to do some freelance stuff right now. Uh, most recently I wrote an article for Polygon, mm, and nice. right now I'm, I'm, I have some things in the works that I'm going to try to, try to make happen, but, uh, right now I'm, I'm pretty much for hire. What are, what are some other places, uh, that people might have seen your name or could go find uh, your, your I've writing? I've also been published on Unwinnable, on Paste, and, um, Medium Difficulty. It's a little bit more esoteric, but uh, that's where I've been. Nice. Well, good for you, man. Uh, I hope you're making it work. So um, we're going to kick off new business. I think we might have time for a couple of uh, listener emails later in the show. Um, and it has only been, as of this recording, only three or four days since we did the telethon. Uh, but, um, with, yeah, and I'm honestly, I'm still feeling it. I really am. You know, I, was, uh, I tweeted about this, but I was shocked how bad I felt Sunday morning. For me, actually, Sunday wasn't that bad. Actually, Saturday night, it felt great because I went outside. Oh, yeah, Saturday night, you're like, yeah, and then like, oh, when you yeah. go to bed, you're like, oh, oh the, God. That adrenaline lasted hours. Went and saw a movie, uh, walked around, got some fresh air, felt really good that night. Um, you know, I was hopped up on lots of caffeine, but uh, Sunday, I was pretty, like, lackadaisical, you know, most of the day. I didn't really get out that much. Monday, oh, man. I mean, it was this delayed reaction. Monday was just brutal. It was just, I did not feel good. Uh, Tuesday, I went home early because I was like falling asleep at my desk. So, I mean, <laughs> it really, it really stacks up on you, but I, I'm doing better now and, uh, I'm excited for the long weekend here in the States. Um, Johnny getting old. I really, I, it's taking me longer to recover from it. Of course, we're, we're going longer and I feel like I was on 
too much this year. You were like, on, on like five hours, I guess? Uh, five or six of them. I was on I, like three and a half. I even did half the Famicast, mainly because I just wanted to. I just thought it would be fun. I never get to talk to those guys, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really was, I was on it too much. And, um, and, and also Carl, Carl had a lot of stuff come. Carl was supposed to be sort of organizing the whole thing and he did a lot of the initial setup and coordination for it. But in the last week or two, um, he got really, really bogged down in stuff at work and he was working like really insane hours. And so I ended up having to, to retake, um, a lot of the telephone duties and, uh, and so I, I ended up doing a lot of the things I was hoping to not do this year. And then that reminded me why I'd, I had asked Carl to do it in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> so uh it it ended up being a a pretty big uh a pretty big deal for me but uh you know I'm I'm not the only one for certain but it it went so well and you know we the whole 10 hour recording uh, you should have already gotten it on your feed I don't know if everyone's actually had time to listen through all of that yet but I I was very happy with the consistency of the content um, I was really happy with the listener participation all throughout the day some people actually listened to the entire thing all the way through, which is pretty impressive, you know, um, that, I mean, even, even if I wasn't on it the whole time, you know, I would find it kind of an endurance challenge to actually sit through the entire thing, I think. So, uh, I really appreciate those people's, uh, attentiveness and, uh, participation. And we raised, uh, well over $7,000 for child's play, which is our new record. Um, we did, we had three stretch goals. We did the live box office poison, which is the, the last hour of the recording you'll hear. And we unlocked a uh, a uh, live connectivity podcast, uh, which is going to be held at a later date. I think they're planning to do some Jeopardy or something like that. One, you know, some of their games and and who knows what else. So much fun. Yeah, yeah, I love that stuff. And then uh, we're going to be doing. If you haven't heard it, and it's towards the, it's during shenanigans, so you may not have heard the news. Uh, but we're doing a live retroactive probably in January, and uh, we're going to do that with Greg. So it'll be kind of like the Majora's Mask thing that we did uh, back at the beginning of 2013. And uh, we are going to be covering the combo of F-Zero X and F-Zero GX. F-Zero nice. combo platter. Yeah. The thinking being that because the racing games, just only one might not be quite meaty enough. And also I... GX is a little bit harder to get. You know, so that... I, I didn't say anything back then, but I feel like <laughs> it's a little bit too much because I'm going to feel, you know, I've never really sunk my teeth into X. So I was planning to do that. Mm -hmm. But then GX is so good and I haven't played it in what, like five, six years. So yeah. I, I'm going to want to play that as well. So um, let's, yeah, like it, Let's take our time before we do this episode. Oh, I, I agree. But I mean, I don't, I don't think these are 20, 30 hour games a piece or anything. I mean, I, I, you know, you probably could put that much time into them. I don't think you have to, to form opinions and to uh, reignite your memories uh, in the case of GX. Uh, I, it's really a question of how much butt rock you can take. <laughs> yeah. More than you would hope. <laughs> I, I still think we should have done the F-Zero anime GBA games instead. No. Oh, yeah. No. No, <laughs> actually, GP Legends not bad. I I played that one. I did not like it. I I think Maximum yeah. Velocity is probably the best of the three, and it's still not that great. Is so. I, I did get a an awesome watch from Nintendo of Canada for registering on Club Nintendo the uh, GP uh, Legends game. It was too small for my wrist. Oh, uh, max, <laughs> Maximum <laughs> Maximum Velocity is not based around the TV show, is it? No, I no, it was, no. It, was it was a GBA launch title. Yeah, yeah, it's GP Legend and Climax that are based around the TV show. That's right. Yeah, which is amazing. And Climax never came over here, right? Right. Yeah, it's no. a it's 
the TV show, the video game. To be fair, I've heard Climax is terrible. So pro- we probably didn't miss that much, but by that point, it was Nintendo had already sworn off F-Zero, and they just said, I mean, because I think Climax sold really terribly even in Japan. But anyway, we'll talk about more of that stuff on the live show. Uh, right and we'll, now. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know well in advance of the timing on all that, but I wanted to make sure, you know, right up front, we told people about it just because, you know, some people may not, for whatever reason, may not listen to the telethon recordings, and they may not have heard about it yet, so um thought we'd go ahead and set that out there, and... You know, um, GX, of course, is a GameCube game, so you can play it on a Wii, but not a Wii U, unfortunately. And uh, it's not that hard to find, I don't think, but um, just because it's a little bit less accessible than what we normally, you know, a lot of times we try to stick to virtual console just because everybody can get it for a good price. Um, and so I think that was part of Greg's suggestion of, hey, let's do X as well. And that way, if you can only play one or the other, that's okay. You'll still be part of the conversation. Of course, F-Zero X, the N64 game, is, uh, is available on virtual console on Wii. Uh, and you can also get it through the Wii channel, uh, Wii mode on, on a Wii U. So, you know, I think the vast majority of our listeners will be able to play at least that one. And, and hopefully a lot of people already have GX or, or they'll go out and seek it out. It's a, they're both really interesting games. And we've never done a racing game on retroactive. So I think it'll be, uh, really interesting. And, uh, it'll be, it'll be fun to do it live. Of course, we'll be taking calls and it'll be great to have Greg on there. So. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. But we haven't scheduled that. We'll let you know a few weeks in advance of when that's going to be so you can try to plan around it. So anyway, uh, let's get into new business because uh, I don't know if y'all have heard, a lot of games came out in the past couple of weeks. A lot Bullshit. of consoles actually came out. Um, and uh, and we, we covered uh, Mario and Zelda a good bit on the live show, but... Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, James and Guillaume weren't there for that. Nate wasn't either, of course. So uh, I would definitely want them to weigh in on these on these new games. And uh, we got some other uh, interesting stuff coming up, too. So why don't we start with Guillaume and uh, talk about Mario, Super Mario 3D World. Oh, boy. I've been playing a lot of Mario in the past week. A lot of Mario. Isn't uh, it so was... overrated? Oh, my God. <laughs> What? No. That's like, that's like two, I heard it's terrible. I think it was just today, actually, on the day we're recording, where the weird backlash started to come up. Uh, um, it's really just two people on my Twitter. I, uh, Alex Kalafi, not to name him, and uh, Neil, actually, <laughs> who's kind of a, he, who's still like, oh, I still like what the game, surprise. but it's kind of soulless, you know. And I'm, soulless. What? And mm, they're going to have to explain use. their view to you. Uh, I yeah, can't, yeah. I, yeah. I can't empathize with. I don't that kind of cling people. on. <laughs> but yeah, I was there like at midnight uh, on Thursday night trying to download the game and went through the Miiverse to click on the like the the Super Mario World 3D World um community and access the game through that. So I bought it like a couple of minutes before it went on the the, the oh, shop. Like I was really ooh. I hadn't heard about this exploit, the eShop. Yeah, it was just door. like yeah, it was just like a couple of minutes into it and then you know, I started the download and at around like it was, there was like 10 minutes left and then it started jamming a little and then going up the time uh, remaining for the download. So that must have been when the, the thing actually went live on the, mm. the eShop. But yeah. yeah, so I was very excited and, uh, I'm, I'm still excited. I'm still playing it. I'm still not done with the content. Um, I've been playing it, uh, two players and, uh, the first thing I noticed outside of just how shiny the graphics are and just how pretty everything is and uh, how well animated the enemies are and the, uh, the you know, like all the characters and uh, is really how in your face the enemies are right in the first level. Hmm. Is it just me or are the enemies way more aggressive than they were in any other Mario game? 
you know, like, sure, like, the, the Goombas would just run towards you if uh, if they saw you, but there was only one or two at a time. Here, I feel like there's stacks of them that just see you and immediately zoom in on you. You know what? I bet it feels like that because, um, in, you know, in, in Galaxy, they sometimes, at least some of the enemies were fairly aggressive, but Mario had that spin move, and so if anything got even remotely close to you, you could use that and take it out. Usually, you didn't really have to aim. You didn't. I mean, right. I remember jumping on enemies in Galaxy was much more, it was probably one of the most difficult ways to, to beat an enemy, and so when you did that, they would actually give you a coin that would refill your health, whereas if you just used the spin move, you'd get the little star bits. Right, so right. they were trying to encourage you to jump because jumping on enemies was harder. In this game, you don't have the spin move. You have to jump mm -hmm. on enemies most of the time unless you have um, some of the power-ups give you a, a, a move. But for the most part, you have to jump on the enemies. And rather than, you know, like in, like in, I feel like Mario 64, you could avoid the enemies most of the time because it's 3D. You just walk around them. You know, if they don't, if they don't run at you or, or throw things at you that you actively have to avoid, then the enemies might as well not be there. So I think it's sure. good that they're aggressive. Yeah. And in Galaxy, they were easier to, to jump onto because usually the camera was right overhead. So it was just mm -hmm. very easy to aim. And here it's more of an isometric view. So mm -hmm. it, it's a little bit, uh, more dicey. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, it, it, I, I think the isometric angle, like I, I remember Neil complaining about it a little bit. He felt that it made some of the platforming too difficult, and it, it, he may be referring to a level I haven't even gotten to yet, but I kind right. of like that it actually adds a layer of challenge to the platforming itself, and I, I thought the same thing in the 3DS game. But mm -hmm. it like to me, it makes just the running and the jumping, like the very purest elements of Mario it feels like those are more vital and more interesting and more challenging now than they have been in the past few games. I, I never right. felt that Galaxy was really about the jumping and the running. I felt it was about all the little gizmos and weird powers and the gravity crap and the weird camera angles and stuff that they gave you. But the, the jumping and, and was, you know, pretty basic a lot of the time. Yeah, and it kind of came back to, the, the series came back to more pure platforming with 3D land. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it kind of feels like that in this game, but also because I'm playing with someone, there's also the additional difficulty of trying to manage someone else. Like, And uh, <laughs> initially, you know, it's not so bad because all you have to worry about is, okay, why I shouldn't be immediately like in their vicinity because otherwise we're just going to start picking each other up and throwing, you know, each other at the enemies uh, without really wanting to. But I'm pretty far into the game, and at this point, when you know, in the um, in the kind of levels where when you jump, there are these platforms that flip, you know, between blue uh, platforms and red platforms. Those are so, tough. Yeah. So imagine that with two players or four players. I don't even Oof. want to think about it. Oof. And uh, <laughs> and there's also you know like those platforms that are green with two arrows and uh, they're kind of rolling on these rails and uh, so you know like you stand on one side of the platform and it goes in that direction mm -hmm. and so when also again like if there's two players it's really really challenging because when you're alone it's fine like if you want it to stop moving you just jump and it's kind of going to slow down by itself but in this case you got to tell the other people okay like I'm I'm going to jump now and uh like this platform better be under my feet when I land because uh otherwise we're we're boned and that's <laughs> happened a lot I uh probably you know it's probably a consequence of uh of that but I I'm finding that I've seen a game over screen a lot of times um partly it's you know because yeah because we're two people losing the stock of lives that we have 
but it, it, I think you know the game overall is also more stingy on the extra extra mm, lives. No, it's not. No, no. I mean, I'm in world seven, I world seven or eight, and I've got seventy two lives. Are you kidding me? I'm so no. jealous. So okay. I mean, it, it's clearly it's the multiplayer factor. I'm I'm su- I mean, I'm not surprised to hear that it makes it harder. I'm surprised that you're getting game over screens because that's kind of. One of one of my very minor Get criticisms good. of the game <laughs> um, is that it, you know it, it, as creative as it is, and it's a very it's a very cool and very um, I think very uh, progressive take on the 3D land formula that they set up on 3DS. Um, I, I do feel that it, in a way that Zelda, the new Zelda game, doesn't. I feel that it leans still pretty hard on some of the conventions of the Mario series and it's not although it's very inventive and creative and and fresh in a lot of ways I don't think it's quite as sacred cow slaying as Link Between Worlds is and I think maybe that's why people are I think the general vibe is that people are leaning a little more towards Zelda in terms of it being like a, you know a really breakout a really standout game uh, as mm-hmm. much fun as everybody's having with Mario that's that's kind of my assessment at least no, that's fair. I wasn't really looking for a, uh, you know, a game changer, uh, Mario, yeah, like yeah. something completely different. So right. This, I mean, like you, is, I mean, it, that's consistent with your views on Pikmin three and and some other stuff this year. Sure. Um, but yeah, and also as uh, the girlfriend put it, it's a celebration of every other Mario game ever made. You know, Fucking like it's <laughs> right. It is. It's pretty damn good. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know, like if I do have nitpicks, and I always do, because I, I love video games, so I, I hate them, I, I guess the overworld is a little bit disappointing to me. I, I don't feel like the, the Tokyo, Nintendo's Tokyo Studio has really learned how to do a, a good 3D you know, uh, world for, uh, for their Mario games, yeah. and I, I thought that New Super Mario Bros. U was a step forward, because it had like this one continuous map, mm-hmm. and... Not only that, but you had these secret exits and levels, and they led to secret levels that you wouldn't ex- ex- you wouldn't be able to access in any other way, and they opened up you know crazy shortcuts throughout the the game, and I, I just went nuts when I unlocked that uh, shortcut in World One Two, right? Like which allowed me to skip four worlds or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, there are shortcuts here in some levels, but they seem to only pop you in the next world. So there was like I don't know around the middle of the first world that we discovered the the secret exit and it sent us to the uh, the the second world and it was just okay that's it there was no fanfare you know and there was no extra level that we could play mm-hmm. and uh, the the kind of the, the worlds themselves are just basically rectangles like th- there's no real interesting features to them and they're not yeah. continuous they're just a series of floating platforms they might as well be you know, like galaxies and Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah, I, I find what I find kind of weird about the world map, and I was excited about the ability to run around freely, but I completely agree with you. There's there's not really anything to incentivize you to do that. I mean, there's like a coin here or something, but hmm. there's there aren't really the the world map isn't really worth exploring, unfortunately, even though you can. Um, right. But for me, the weird thing is the controls are different on the map versus in the levels. I mean, you can still run and jump, but it does. The animations are different, and the responsiveness isn't quite there. And then if you're wearing a, a suit, a suit like the Tanuki suit, for instance, you can't actually spin the tail or uh, or wag it to to float on the world map. So I, no. the it shows the power ups that you have, but they don't. They're not actually active when you're out on the world map. So the whole thing just feels very cosmetic. 
you know, and I guess I appreciate that it, it, it does look cool. It feels less constraining, mm-hmm. um, than, than in other Mario games, but it functionally, it's really not any different. I think I felt that was kind of a missed opportunity. Um, but, uh, yeah. it, it's, it's actually kind of like the, the world map in Donkey Kong Country 3. If you guys have ever played that on Super Nintendo, it's like, uh, it's neat. Yeah. It's like, it, it feels like the, the levels are a little more connected and I can actually roam around and occasionally find a secret. But for the most part, it really doesn't have that much impact on the game. No. But, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty trivial thing to complain about. But, I mean, I agree with you. Yeah, but I was about to accuse you guys of nitpicking in the extreme it's just i mean so much has been said about how glorious the game is i mean it, it is so much fun it is so pretty the music is so good i mean yeah i i you know i can't argue against any of that stuff i don't want to i'm, I'm yeah really in terms it. of gameplay in terms of level design i'm, I'm really happy with it i'm I, I find it a little bit um i don't know i, I find it pretty easy to find most of the green stars but mm. I, i'm still not done with like the post-game content so i and there i have run into some really really tough levels in there so see that's what's insidious about green stars since the galaxy games is that the vast majority of them are real easy it's that last handful that make you nuts <laughs> yeah they, they want you to feel like you're close so you'll gut through those that last handful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If they yeah. if they start kicking your butt with fifty to go, you're not gonna really want to keep going. You're gonna say, "Well, screw it, I'm never gonna finish this." That's in, that's a that's very observant. Yeah, it's re- it's really obvious in Galaxy Two because that last fifteen or so are hard, and then the last five of that fifteen are just sadistic. <laughs> they want you to get up to the point of sadism and then go, "All right, well, you've run out of options." Yeah, here you go. I've, I've come this far. I might as well you know, blast through the last few. And usually, you know, in the 2D games, I think that the star coins are usually um, more hidden. You know, there, there's more of a puzzle element to it. Not really puzzle, but yeah, like they're going to be hidden out of view and they're, you're right. going to have to find them. And in the 3D games, they, they often resort to just um, putting them really in an obvious place, but then you have to get there with a certain items. Like there's a lot right. of green stars that you need the boomerang to get. Hmm. Right, because because the star coins, in theory, you could clear all the new Super Mario Brothers games with all the star coins without ever replaying a level. Whereas on the green stars, the intention is that you go back and you yeah, see the level. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I, but also, I think the the other distinction, Guy, is that um, the green stars tend to be more skill based, so they're they're not that hard to spot, but sometimes they're hard to get to. And I think sure. sometimes you might look at it, you might make a couple attempts at it and fail to get it and then say, screw it, I'll come back later. Uh, whereas the, they've added a new wrinkle that wasn't in any other previous Mario game, which are the stamps. And those are the real hidden item. And I didn't, that wasn't clear to me at first. You know, the game doesn't tell you anything about the stamps at all. Uh, there's just, they're there. Sometimes you find them. And I was like, oh, cool, mm-hmm. I found a stamp. I don't know what the, I mean, you can use them in your Miiverse post, but in terms yeah. of, their function within the game, they're collectible, and I think eventually there's some incentive to collect all of them. It unlocks something. Um, but, Probably uh, more stamps. <laughs> I don't know, but there, there's one in every level, and they tend to be the most difficult thing to find. They're the most hidden, and they really stretch the kind of uh, the level designs and make you look way outside the box. Whereas the green stars are, again, I think they're. It's more about how do you get to them, not how do you find them. The cat suit. I mean, obviously, I've only played the demo that they had for me 3 but I mean, just watching video of it, the cat suit seems to make the levels very vertical, which gives them a lot mm-hmm. more three-dimensional space to hide things in. I, I would assume they, they're playing that up pretty hard on some of the stuff. 
Yeah, but the, I think that's very front-loaded. I feel like the cat suit um, has more yeah. impact on the level designs and maybe the first two or three worlds. And then after that, they, they start to mix in more of the boomerang suit, then more of the tanuki suit, um, some of these other elements. And, the, the, I mean, you can still use the cat suit. You can still go grab it from any number of places and bring it into whatever level you want. But I feel like the levels are less designed around the cat suit as you get deeper in the game. Hmm. So yeah. that was going to be my question, like, as someone who has seen absolutely nothing of this game, is have they done anything meaningful to, like, expand that kind of level design for a console? Because, like, on the 3DS, the stuff that they had was pretty big, and I would imagine, like, I don't know, just as a player, I would want that expanded as much as possible. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think, if, case. I think if you went, if you played 3D World and then went back to 3D Land, the levels would feel very small and very constrained. That's yeah. that's what I think. That's what I would expect because these these levels are definitely bigger, even though they're they're still isometric, and so there's a kind of a there's a style to them that is consistent with the 3DS game, but they are much larger to account for you know having multiple players, and they're also much more vertical, as James said, at least in the early parts of the game, and they have a lot more hidden things because the the green stars and especially the stamps, I think, tend to be much more hidden than anything was in 3D Land. I felt a lot of the, the levels in 3D Land were more time attacks. So it was like, can you get these... Uh, what were they in that game? Were they just the big coins? Just the star coins. The star coins. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was like, can you get these star coins and also uh, finish the level before the time runs out? And there there are certain levels... Uh, in 3D World that have like, not, you know, like a hundred second timers that they're, they're more of a rush to get through. But most of the levels are a little more relaxed pace and it's more about exploring and looking for secrets, which suits me just fine. I, I wow. My experience is so different because we almost always, um, end up rushing to the end of the level. See, I think, yes. I think having a second player in play though, it yeah. tends to cause that. They're getting lost. They're talking the whole time. There's more, as mm. you said, he's managing a second player. I don't have to deal with that. So for me, I see what I want and I just go for it. And I don't have to wait for another person to do something or I don't have to entertain gotcha. their suggestions about what we should do next. Uh, it's, it's easier for me to, to, you know, to get through the levels, I think, more quickly. Yeah. yeah I think, but, I think, I think the experience then is really dependent on the relative skill of the other two players. I could see two, sure. yeah. two good players. Just forcing each other to race so much they screw each other up. Hmm. I, uh, by the way, like managing the other player, that's probably not the most flattering way. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of thought that <laughs> when you said it. But God. I'm using your words. I'm just throwing uh, them back at you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, she, she knows her way around a Mario game, but perhaps not as, as much as I do, especially not a 3D one. Uh, sure. But I also, you know, like she's there to save my butt when uh, I fall to my death, and uh, she's there to, to catch that one green star that was out of reach. So, uh, mm -hmm. no, we, we make a pretty good team. Uh, but we do end up, we do end up saying basically, we're, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, like, so, I, didn't, so I didn't mean to throw you in the pit. I here's didn't mean here's to a question. That. Have you two settled into character preferences? I'm just using um, Mario. I mean, yeah. I, I tried all of them at the beginning, but, um, I, I thought Mario felt just fine. And I felt that, um, especially when you're in a hurry, I don't always want the more floaty, uh, jumps of Luigi and, and princess, but I felt Toad. It, Toad doesn't have like the little squatty jump like he does in Mario 2, but I still felt Toad was almost too fast. Like I felt he was almost a little bit hard to control because he's just so speedy. And I felt sure. Mario was like, normally I don't go for like the middle ground characters. I find that a little bit boring. But in this case, I felt like the levels are really designed very nicely around Mario's abilities. And, and also I felt I'll play through the game this way. 
and then maybe when I go back and look for all the stars I miss and things like that, maybe then I'll kind of play around with the other characters a little bit more. And, 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 and then those special abilities might be a lot more useful. I, I like Mario. Just uh, He just feels right for most of the game. You just have to long jump in the end to, to reach the top of the goalpost. Sometimes. Um, yeah. And I also take... Um, yeah, like I alternate between him and Toad just for fun, and uh, she she likes Luigi as a character, so so she tries to pick uh, him. But then Peach does come in handy because she does have the float, so it, it is kind of a, a neat, not an easy mode, but she she does you know give you a second chance uh, when you yeah, miss a jump. Yeah, I, I was curious how the because it feels like Mario is probably the easiest character to use in that it's the most well rounded. Mm. It's curious mm. how the race for character claiming. Yeah, works like she she won't she won't use Peach all the time because she's so damn slow, and it's just frustrating to see someone like collect all the coins ahead of you. And uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, but yeah, it's fun. Um, should we leave some of this talk to uh, for for then? Yeah, yeah, we can't go on forever, but I I just do think you know. Um, over the, you know, the creative graphics and there's some really cool, uh, like new sort of gimmicks in the level designs. There's some new mechanisms that you get to play with, some new kinds of enemies. There's a, you know, new power ups. There's a lot of new gameplay elements here. I think the way that they're mixed together is very familiar. You know, there, there are kinds yeah. of levels here that you've seen before. It's just that there are new little mechanics in there that you haven't seen and you have to learn those. And I think that's fun. But, you know, ultimately the game, um, it, it's completely original. I don't think that it's rehashed at all, but it's not dramatically different than other Mario games in the format of it. And so, especially, especially 3D Land, I mean, it is very, very similar to that. It's just a very huge expansion on those ideas. But I think, I do think that the multiplayer is the one really critical new innovation here. This is the first multiplayer 3D Mario, unless you yeah. count that weird versus mode in, in 64DS, and I don't. So, <laughs> Uh, you know, I think, you know, the, the challenges around designing a 3D Mario game for multiple people are probably really complex. And it seems like they've done a pretty good job. You know, you're never yeah. going to perfectly balance it for X number of players. That's just probably not possible. But it seems like they've done a really nice job. And, and, and I can, I can guarantee to people, if you are a single player Mario gamer, you're going to be fine with this game. I mean, I, I, yes, you can see that certain aspects of it are designed with multiple people in mind. That's not to say it doesn't work as a single player game. It absolutely does. Absolutely. Cool. Probably, probably as much or more than, um, the new Super Mario Brothers games, like on Wii and, and on Wii U. So I, I'm very, very happy with it as a single player game. I don't think you're missing anything. Um, and I think yeah. it's nice to have the option. To, you know, that I can go back later with other people and maybe play parts of the game multiplayer and have a completely different experience. That's just kind of bonus content for me. Yeah, I just, uh, I can't really point to, oh, this is new and this is new because I've, I've kind of been rushing through the game in a way. Um, uh, but it, it, it doesn't reuse its, uh, elements as much as 3D Land did or some of the other Mario's do. I would agree um, with that. There's a lot more variety in the graphics and, and even in the level designs, I think. Yeah, like the the platforms that I said, like that flip when you jump, the red blue ones. I've seen them in two levels, yeah. and I've got like two hundred and seventy five stars. <laughs> so you know, like I, I I've gone through a lot of levels, and uh, yeah, they don't reuse elements as much. You see yeah, them once, it, twice, and then 
you know, you move on to something else. I'd say in terms of the presentation, it's a lot closer to Galaxy in that, you know, you may go to the Savannah level, which is very beautiful and, and has a kind of a very wide open aspect to it that I haven't seen in any other levels. And that's mm -hmm. the only level like that that I've played. So there yep. seems to be like a lot of one-off, unique content created just for one special level. And I, I felt that we saw almost none of that in 3D Land. I felt that game was was much more of a kind of uh, obstacle course construction set. Mm -hmm. And they they focused on making really, really tight level designs. But the graphical elements, especially the music, was just a, from a very limited palette in 3D Land. You know, there's a there's a couple of levels that have more of the lava stuff, but you know, the, there's just not a whole lot of variety in the kinds of environments that you see in that game. And I think they've really expanded that out. I mean, it really does feel, you know, it's it is going from land to world. I mean, it really does feel like they have broadened the horizons and they've brought in a lot more colors, a lot more um, just kind of styles to it. And that that's fun. It's a that's a big part of uh, of the enjoyment for me is just seeing what are they going to throw at me next. And in that way, it it reminds me a lot of Galaxy because I always felt that way about galaxies like this game's so weird i don't even know what's going to happen and uh right. and I, I feel that way about this game and uh, a final surprise there's maybe like a handful maybe four or five uh ghost houses and they're amongst some of the best levels in the game mm -hmm. and wow. i never expected to say that ever i agree a mario game although actually i think i did find a secret exit in one of them but i don't think it took me anywhere new on the map i think maybe i just got a different power up at the end or something i'd, I'd have to go back oh. and play it again but i there was one place where i i saw a second flagpole and i got to it um but uh i i didn't i didn't actually go back through and try the normal one so i don't know oh, what the difference the, is uh, the first one might have been a decoy Oh, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but they, they certainly are much less, um, they're much less about the multiple exits than you would find in, in other Mario games. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough Mario for one week, but uh, we'll continue talking about this. And James, I know you, you said you walked into a store and you were going to decide between Mario and Zelda. Was, was it something, was it a, any concern about Mario that drove you to Zelda? Or was it more something more appealing about Zelda at the time? It was actually so this is this is kind of silly but um it was cold hard calculations. <laughs> I expect that multiple retailers will do uh two Wii U games but get one free. Mm. And 3DS there's only one 3DS game I wanted but there are three Wii U games so I figured well time to make the most of potential deals in the next couple months. Well, what are the three? <laughs> I'm curious. Um so there's Zelda, the Wii U Zelda, there's Mario and then it's kind of uh there's one of the third party games out there. I'm sort of ambivalent on which one it ends up being. Hmm. I would certainly recommend uh like Need for Speed for instance, although you can probably get that game for like 30 bucks now. Oh so yeah, I can get that I can get that super cheap. Yeah, that may not be the best choice in terms of Yeah, that'll uh, probably pop up in a flash sale too on Amazon. Yeah, yeah you're it, probably it was, you're probably right about that, yeah. It was just a a sheer economic calculation. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, I can't can't fault you for that. So let's talk about Zelda for a little bit. Uh, sure. I've been playing a lot of it, um, probably not as much as a lot of I mean, some people. I mean, people online. I'm reading their tweets, and it's like they just blaze through this game. They're, you know, I feel like I've played quite a lot of Zelda over the past few days. Of course, I had other things going on, like the telethon, but uh, and work. Um, but you know, I'm still playing it quite a bit, and uh, and right now I'm I'm basically I've I've unlocked the Dark World, uh, Low Rule. And it's interesting they they've given it a name this time, but it is the Dark World from Link to the Past. I mean, it is the same place basically. It's uh, the layout is slightly different, and it looks like some time has passed. You know, it looks like 
some shit has gone down. There's been some earthquakes and some pieces of it have fallen away. And now it, it has its own princess for some reason. Um, but uh, well, but if, it, if it is a separate world, there's a certain amount of logic there. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's just she wasn't. But, but the thing is, like, the town is the same. It's still the thieves den, uh, thieves right. town from Link to the Past. You know, and the you know the uh, uh, Death Mountain looks very much the same. It's still you know all snowy and shit. Um, it's just like all the all the different places that you remember from Link to the Past in the Dark World. They're they're still there. But now there's these big crevices in the ground, so it's difficult to get from one section to the next. It, it kind of forces you to do more warping back and forth. Um, that I found that frustrating at first, but now actually I kind of like it because it actually it encourages you to go back to the white world, uh, to Hyrule, and explore for the, these cracks in the wall that let you that, that give you a portal between the worlds. It, it actually encourages you to go and find lots of those because every time you find a new portal. Uh, so there's no mirror in this game. In other words, you can't just flip back and forth whenever you want to. Um, right. You have to use these portals, and they're very strategically placed, and they're actually kind of fun to look for. And sometimes you'll be in a section, and you're like, I know there has to be a portal here, because otherwise there's no way to get to the dark world version of this area. So it it's like it gives you a quest. You know, it's like, I have to go find a portal. And once you find it, now it opens up a whole new section of the dark world where there's a dungeon and there's characters and there's enemies and there's lots of treasure. So um, it's actually really fun. Um, it, it, once I understood what the game was doing, I, I really appreciated that. Um, but, uh, you know, the, I, it has surprised me just how closely A Link Between Worlds, uh, it... it, it it follows the path of a link to the past. I mean, down to like really kind of the, the whole progression there's, there's little twists here and there, but uh, you know, it's like Brad Shoemaker was, was saying on, on the Bombcast last week, it's like, you know, you go in the castle and then you go to the sanctuary and then they tell you, you need to go talk to the, the elder Sahasrala in, in um, Kakariko village. And then you go over there and it's like, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, and then you go to the desert palace and then you go to the, it's just incredibly faithful to the sequence of events and, and to the, uh, the, there, there's so many patterns that are familiar. And yet they, I mean, to be fair, they do remit, they, they remix a lot of those and they defy your expectations a lot. And it, in, in some ways it is very distinctly a sequel. You know, right. there are many new elements that weren't in the link to the past at all, but then a lot of the game and really a lot of the content and a lot of the time that I'm playing it, it feels almost like a Metroid zero mission, kind of like just wholesale remake of a classic game. You know, like we have taken this thing, we've given it a very new coat of paint. We've added new mechanics to it, but it's basically the same game. We've just made it better. It's the game, you know, but we made it way better and at times, A Link Between Worlds feels as much like a, you know, very aggressive remake of A Link to the Past as it does a sequel to it. It's It rides a very fine line between those two things, I find. Does that surprise you at all? Yeah, I was expecting to be more of a sequel. Like in Japan, this is called A Link to the Past 2. Or it's called, you oh, know, okay. Triforce of the Gods 2. So it's being marketed as a sequel. And it, and, it, and it is a sequel. I don't want to take that away from it. Right, I mean, it, it very explicitly... Story-wise, takes place after. Although, yes. you know, when they said it was a direct sequel, they made it sound like it was going to be like, oh, and then Link woke up the next day and he's like, shit, really? No, it's a different Link. It's like hundreds of years later. It's very much like Wind Waker is a sequel to six Ocarina of Time. You well, know, it's very it's... much like Ocarina of Time is a sequel to Link to the Past. I mean, and it's... those are not as closely... I feel like those are not as closely linked as, uh, Maybe not, as Wind but, Waker I mean, they, is. They, it does make extended reference to the events of one game versus the other. 
Yeah, yeah, you could, yeah, it does, but not as explicitly as Wind Waker does. Anyway, we're talking about no. timeline stuff, which is never a good idea. But well, it's uh, a great idea. But you know, I mean, I love Link to the Past. It, it might be my favorite Zelda. Um, and uh, and you know, I, I've I've been a huge fan of it for twenty years. So playing on my nostalgia for Link to the Past is probably a pretty good tactic, and it looks like it's working on a lot of other people too. But I, again, I was expecting it to be more of a more, I guess I was expecting a little more new content. Like the overworld is pretty much, especially in Hyrule, it's almost untouched. The layout of it, the, where you will find secrets. Now, the, the thing that you find when you go to a secret place might be different, but that cave is still there, you know? And it, it's like, I don't know if there, I, I mean, there, it's, it's such aggressive fan service that we're, I'm not used to seeing it from Nintendo, you know? I mean, we're used to seeing them be faithful and to, you know, they, they go back to the same places over and over again, but I mean, not so literally as in this game. And, uh, and I'm feeling slightly conflicted about it, but not, not that much because I really like it. I mean, I'm enjoying it so much. I think it's so well done. And the new elements they've added are incredibly inventive and incredibly fun and exciting. And, and number one, and this is something that they showed back at E3, and I don't think anyone, I know I didn't fully appreciate just how significant the merging feature was back at E3. This idea that you can turn into a painting on the wall and move around. It seemed very gimmicky. I mean, I thought it was a cool effect, but at E3 it seemed a little bit gimmicky, and I kind of wondered, you know, they're only going to let you use it in certain places or whatever. But actually, you can merge onto almost any wall in the entire game, including and especially on the overworld. And it lets you get to places in a completely different way than you ever have, not only in Zelda, but really in any franchise. I don't think I've ever played a game where you've relied so much on this sort of mode of transportation. And it really makes the game feel very differently. And I think that's part of why it works reusing the same overworld, because the layout is so familiar, and yet now you can access it in such a very different way than you did in A Link to the Past. And it is so exciting and fun to attach to these walls that are burned into your memory for the past two decades. And now I can just go across that gap uh, along the wall. And now I'm in this place and I got there a completely different way than I ever would have in the, in the first game. And, uh, and the merge feature, I mean, the, <laughs> they do a fantastic job of introducing it in the first dungeon because that you get it sort of towards the end of that first dungeon. And then they make you take a very different route back to the entrance of the dungeon where you actually go outside of it. And now you're, you're wrapping around the walls of the outside of the dungeon and getting on these, all these weird floating platforms to make it all the way back. And it shows you immediately just how crazy this mechanic is going to get and just how many weird things you can do with it that you never would have even thought to try because it, it forces you to do some of these things. And, uh, and then it, it relies on that a lot through the rest of the game. And it, it continues to be, um, so, so smart about the way that it uses the merge feature. And, and a lot of times, you know, it, it loads you down with all these other items and special abilities and all these crazy dungeons that it throws at you. And sometimes you might go a while without using the merge and you might forget that you can do it and you get to a puzzle and you're like, what the hell? How am I supposed to catch this guy who has the, the Pegasus boots? I can't run as fast as him. Oh, I'm supposed to merge into the wall and then pop out right behind him because he can't see me when I'm 2D. Right. It, it, it is so, so smart and I love it. I, it is my favorite thing about the game. 
and uh, it is used so much better than I expected. And it, it has a very broad ranging impacts on the way that you play the game, and uh, and it's it's just used incredibly well. It's interesting to me that they found something like this mechanic that works so well in the structure that's was established a long time ago. Yeah, and, and it's. That's really cool, and and it's such it's so original. This feature, the the idea of putting this into a Zelda game, it really makes you think about Zelda in a completely different way, and it 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 turns this inherently two D Zelda game into a three D game in a very subversive way that is not at all like essentially by letting you turn Link into a two D painting, it turns this game into a very three dimensional. Uh, kind of uh, Zelda, it makes you look at things from a from literally from a different perspective, but it, it totally changes how you approach these puzzles and, and even the traversal around the world. And it does it in a way that's completely different than any 3D Zelda game has ever done. Right. And it, I, I just I can't believe that they that they have come up with something so fundamentally drastically different than anything they've tried before, and it works this well. I'm just I'm really blown away by that part of the game and it's a it's a huge part of why I'm enjoying the game so much. Well, uh, so James, yeah, I, yes. I I know you've been playing it as well and you are probably gritting your teeth as I talk about it. A bit, yeah. So, uh the perspective on where I'm at, I am I've cleared the two introductory dungeons um and I've cleared the first of the dark world dungeons, low rule. And I'm just kind of dicking around. You, you right might now. be far. You are farther than I am, but you may not have actually played it more than I have. I've I've done a lot of overworld stuff, and I've focused very little on the dungeons so far. So, to me, and maybe that that might come down to where we have disagreement. I, I mean, I in in general, I agree with most of what you're saying about solving the puzzle with the the 2D 3D mechanic. You know, merging into the wall and moving along the edge of the wall. I also understand that the sheer amount of, you know, for lack of a better word, proofreading of these levels to make sure that this power doesn't completely break in the geometry it's, of a level. It's mind-boggling. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you would have had to have basically, they basically would have had to have tried getting on every surface from every spot you could do it and going in every direction conceivable from that spot to make sure you can't game break or get stuck in the architecture or some other dumb garbage right. happens. Because when you saw this in the in the trailer at E3 or even if you got to try it in the demo, it seems like the kind of thing that could break the game so easily that surely they place very strict limits on when and where you can actually sure. use this power. And that's why I wasn't that excited about it at the time. I thought, well, that looks neat, but it's not going to be a huge part of the game. And when you play the final game, you're like, oh my god, I can do this anywhere. And it yeah. doesn't break the game. But the fact that it doesn't break the game means that some poor army of playtesters must have suffered for months. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They suffered... I mean, you think every single place they could have uh, run into a problem. Every every spot you can press A and go into the wall, and every direction you can go from there, and what happens after a certain amount of time elapses and you fall, do you get stuck somewhere weird? Yeah. I mean, just the sheer amount of effort that went into it. I respect all of that. That's yeah. really impressive, and some of the puzzle use of this mechanic has been really good so far. I'm a little concerned that this is going to be... It's It's fun now, but in the future, these are going to get kind of rote. The, how they're using them, I'm like, oh, I'm on a platform and there's nowhere to go from here, but there's a wall that direction. I wonder what I'm supposed to do now. 
And I've already <laughs> observed I've already observed a little bit of that in the third dungeon, which is the first Dark World dungeon. I was thinking to myself, you know, they dropped me on these platforms and there's nothing around. It's pretty clear what they want me to do right now. So it, it loses a little bit of the I need to solve this puzzle kind of thing. But for mm. me, the biggest problem I'm having with the game comes from the other big departure here, which is that you can get all the weapons whenever you want, effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, after I, the first couple dungeons, yeah. I mean, you can rent them after the uh, before the very first dungeon. No, I don't, think, I don't think so. I don't think he sets up shop in your house until you've at least gotten the merge power, and I think it might even be after that. Oh, oh yeah, that, that kind of little dungeon-y thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, like I mean, the first real proper dungeon before you go to one of those, you can get you can get every single item. Mm. A- and to me, it's sort of first off, these dungeons feel like just three I've played. Granted, there's only three of them, and I, the one I played in the Dark World is the one it drops you very close to. So very very clearly, this is the one they want you to play. Um, they 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 feel almost like boss rush levels. Like they're so fast. I beat one of the dungeons in under twenty ish minutes. Really? And, wow. Yeah. And to me, it sort of takes away a lot of what I like about Zelda games, which is this these deep puzzle-solving dungeons where as you inch through them, you know, you're constantly seeing things you can't quite figure out what you need to do. And then ultimately there's that climax of, oh, I've got the item that will, you know, make this all make sense now. Well, but yeah, and, but the, then also you have to go through the process of learning how to use that item. Yeah. So it's usually Whereas, they they do more than one thing, and so they they kind of set you up with a, a a sequence of puzzles in which you have to kind of try different things and find out all the different weird ways right. you can use this well, this new item that you have. Whereas in these dungeons, they I mean, effectively, they don't even use items besides to get in the door that much. Um, the hammer dungeon is really useful in the hammer dungeon, or the hammer is really useful in the dungeon where you need the hammer to get in. The uh, the whirlwind rod is really useful in the dungeon where you need it to gain access, mm-hmm. but the items themselves aren't finding a whole ton of use once you get into the dungeon. Now that may that may begin to go away, but there's a limit to how much they can do that because if you die and you're only renting the item, then they force you to truck all the way back to town to get the item and then go back to the dungeon, and that could prove to be somewhat frustrating. No, I don't think so because you you have the fast travel system. I mean, you can you can warp yeah, to the just, to the I roosters and much earlier in the game than you could in Link to the Past, and that was a, a secret ability even in that game. You could play the game without ever getting the ocarina. So in this game, they they put it way up front and they make it very easy to warp around the environment. Now, looking for those warp points and sort of unlocking them is really fun, actually, because you know you go into a new region. Uh, this is especially true in in the Dark World. You go into a new region and you may not have the uh, the weather vane accessed yet, and so you're looking for it. And if you die before you get to it, then you know then then you you have to replay some of that area and try to find something different. But I, I think um, I think that system works really well, and it makes it very convenient to get around for the most part. Uh, to me, though, it's just really removed a lot of the mystery from these dungeons. They just feel like kill enemy, proceed through room, hit switch. Kill enemy, proceed through room, hit switch. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, it, there, I mean, yeah, the the ability to merge into the wall adds an extra, for lack of a better word, and I apologize in advance, dimension to some of the puzzles. Mm-hmm. Boo! But, but in Boo, general, James. they're they're very much the same style of puzzles that I've been seeing in previous Zelda games, and the fact that the items have been somewhat 
minimized means a lot of the, hey, here's a way you probably didn't think of using this item to solve this puzzle. That kind of stuff has sort of been pushed aside a bit. So, I mean, the fact that I beat a dungeon in under 20 minutes was distressing. But, I mean, that's that's mostly, that's pretty accurate to the clip I've been keeping so far through these dungeons. Are you sure you got everything? Because apparently there are uh, items, like upgrade items, hidden in the dungeons. There um, are, yes. They're not the main weapons, obviously, because you're renting or buying those. Right, uh, there are there Rovio. are these upgrades you can you can find strewn about the dungeon. Um, I mean, from what I've seen, according to the compass, yeah. I mean, there's there's like maybe one chest I left behind in a dungeon somewhere. Mm-hmm. But at least if the compass isn't lying to me, I'm I'm cleaning it out pretty cleanly. Hmm. Which is, like I said, it's a little disappointing. I, I would like to have to spend a little bit more time with these puzzles because they feel it feels very much like you go room to room to room to room, not so much like okay, I've cleared this room, let me go back, check over there, see what I need need to do now. Hmm. Um, losing some so, of the mystery, it sounds like. Yeah, and and mm. that's sort of disappointing to me, and I'm concerned that I'm going to rip through these dungeons and then go, oh. Yeah, it's okay. it's interesting. I mean, we're again, we'll we'll move on in a sec because uh, we'll come back to Zelda, and uh, you know, right. I'm sure John will want to talk about it soon as well. But uh, I'm, I guess it 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 sounds like you and I fall very differently on our opinion of the game, but we've also played different parts of it. So, um, I really like the overworld. You are not as impressed with the dungeons, but we haven't necessarily spent very much time with, with the opposite part. So maybe next week we'll have a, you know, a more well-rounded view of it. But because the game is so nonlinear, it doesn't force you down. You know, every, people are going to have different experiences. Like I remember, uh, Chris Kohler was kind of complaining that, uh, he, he just kind of went around the world and grinded for everything before he ever went into a dungeon. And he found that it made the rest of the game super easy. And, and here's the thing. So <laughs> before I even went to the dark world, I had already bought four of the items mm-hmm. just because I had a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in the dark world, um, in the south west corner, there's this mini game you can play for rupees where you just collect as many rupees as you can in 30 seconds. And I routinely, I played it about three times. I was routinely getting about 300 rupees every time I played it in 30 seconds. Hmm. It's like, well, wait, I do this like 10 times. I have all the items. Yeah, but the, you know, it doesn't stop there. You can upgrade all the items. And yeah, that, I know. That's a uh, much I mean, more involved exploratory process. Yeah, it is. But just being like, to not have to fear death anymore, it's sort of, eh, I don't know. It, it, the game itself, it, it functionally is is really good. I just feel like the dungeons have lacked a little bit of soul. And to your point, I don't have the same level of nostalgia for Link to the Past that you do. So, so to an extent, okay. I may not be as affected by the overworld. Yeah, I mean, Link to the Past is like maybe in my top five games of all time. I mean, I've, I've played that game, you know, six or seven times all the way through. So yeah, it, whereas it, I've it, only played it maybe twice, and the last time was almost a decade ago, so I don't really... Oh, yeah, I think I've played it through twice just on Wii Virtual Console, actually. Yeah, so yeah. So, I, and I think, then I, I, think I remember playing up. it... I remember playing it... Um, I brought a Super Nintendo from home to my dormitory in college to play through it there as well. So, I mean, I've... You know, it's been many, many times over the years I've played through yeah, that so game. Yeah, so I think, I think, A, I don't hold it the same esteem you do, and B, I don't, I'm not getting the same nostalgia vibrations when I see things. Sure. Because I yeah. may not even recognize that spot. I may just be right. chucking along and doing yeah. what I do. All right. Well, you know, it, it's. I think it's actually really good that a, a Zelda game can come out and have very different, not not even just a range of good versus bad opinions, but just people having different experiences with it because it is much more open and much more nonlinear. And I, I really like that, you know. 
it, it, it carries a level of sophistication to the game and, it, and it gives us something more to debate. Not just like, I felt that they held my hand for too long. No, I felt it was just long enough. Or, you know, I mean, I feel like we really can approach the game in different ways and, and see things in different orders. And that, that it makes it, it's fun to me. Like I'm, I'm having more fun <laughs> talking about this Zelda game than I have a lot of the recent ones just because, um, I don't know what you're going to say. I don't know what you've done in the game. You know, and right. and it feels like it's been quite a while since we had that experience. So, anyway, I'm that. I'm very excited to play more of it, and I hope you will like it more as you play more of it. And I hope I continue to like it. Um, but uh, James, why don't you tell us about uh, about the other thing you've been playing? Yeah, so um, I'm, I made the joke earlier, but I'll reuse it because I don't care. I've been playing the uh, the most important video game release of the last two <laughs> weeks, which is which is the Phoenix Wright DLC. Um, so. <laughs> If if you've missed the the basic, uh, the basic here is that Ace Attorney or excuse me Phoenix Wright Dual Destinies came out about eh, three ish weeks ago I guess, and in Japan sometime after that I guess about a couple months they released a, a an additional case a DLC case that takes place sometime during the plot arc of the game of Dual Destinies. Um, it's sort of it's sort of a side story. It's it's a case that that Phoenix took after getting his badge back and you know it has nothing to do with the overall plot of the other cases it's just it's just something that happened which hmm. makes sense because the the story of that game follows like 8 months or something like that so it makes it makes sense there's more than 4 cases there so in this particular case your defendant this isn't a spoiler cuz Capcom's already revealed this information your defendant is a killer whale what <laughs> yeah you are defending a killer whale who is accused of murdering the owner of the aquarium in which it resides. And this is not the same way that, like, the second case in the game is you defending a, a mythological demon, which is no, actually a wrestler slash mayor or whatever dressed up as a, a character. This, this is, is li literally a killer whale, the animal. So does yes. the whale take the stand? Yes, the whale takes oh, the stand. I want to see this so bad. I really he, Does he have like a bowl of water on his head? Is he wearing a suit? No. no uh, she, by the way. She, sorry. Um hmm. uh, appears appears via a monitor because obviously it needs to live in a tank. Oh. But there there, there is a there is a cross-examining period with the whale. And you can press the whale for information. So they've got like a whale translator or something. No, it just the whale just chirps and clicks and does like whale tricks where it like claps its fins together or it leans over and waves at you, and like it's responding to your questions, kind of like you know if you if you've ever been to a, a dolphin show, the sure. trainer will ask the dolphins questions and they're just trained to make noises back at them like they're answering. But there's no text uh, for it. It's not like it doesn't magically uh, no, speak there's English. Text. It's or... like whistle, chirp, 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 whistle, chirp. Okay, click, but, it, whistle. but it but it doesn't speak English. I mean, you're not. No, no, you're not no. Really... And, and and it's 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 there for dramatic effect. Most of your time is not interrogating the whale, right? But there is a scene where this happens, and everyone in the courtroom is equally amused by it as you are. <sighs> that um, sounds great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And this isn't even the first time you've cross-examined an animal in an Ace Attorney game. This just happens to be the most insane instance of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the comment I got on this um, is that you know that I don't want to go into too much spoilers because I actually think it's a really good case. Hmm. Um, I it it is one of the most legitimately shocking sets of twists, and I say sets because it hit you three or four times. Yeah, I've seen <laughs> in one of these games in a while. 
And there's, I mean, it's like a la- usually the last case of a game has these gut punch twists, and it actually had them, which is what makes the last case of these games so satisfying. And it hit me like three or four times. And there's, it was a mix of in the Ace Attorney games where you figure it out before the game tells you. So as opposed to you sort of building it and you in the game reaching a conclusion together, it's a moment where you hit it and go, oh, no. And then the game sort of continues down the track and they get to where you got and you go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What am I doing with my life? Why am I playing this game? <laughs> and, and the ones where the game and you and the game sort of figure it out at the same time. And those are the ones you just drop the 3DS and walk away. You're like, nope. Okay. I need to go somewhere else. This is This is too much at this point. Or you, you know, exclaim to whatever divi- whatever divine creature you happen to bre- you pray to. It's just like, uh, it's so, it's such an insane case that they sort of set you up for this. And I'm so, I'm happy they decided that this time we could just be completely nuts because it's, it's an add-on chapter. It's not part of the main yeah. story. They can just do whatever they want. They can do whatever crazy bullshit they feel like doing. The gloves are and off. And if you want to defend a whale, cross-examine a whale... You know, I do <laughs> knock yourself out. It's Don't. there. You can you can do it. It's. I feel like they should a, sell this as a standalone. So I know it, I was going to say, is there any way it could be play almost, this without buying the game? Yeah, it could be like a uh, teaser to get people to play to buy the full game after they try out this completely bizarre, crazy town. What's 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 amazing is it's not it's not just like a reskin of of using existing assets. I think TYP mentioned this on the live show. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a. I mean, they built new new level architecture, new places to examine. Um, every character in it, with the exception of the attorneys and the judge, is a new character, new face, in many cases, new voice actors. Hmm. Um, they, they wrote new music for this chapter. Oh, wow. Hmm. There's, I mean, not all new music, but there are new themes in this chapter. Um, tons of whale assets. There are three or four animated videos, and like fully animated videos. Uh, I think Capcom released one of them as a press, in the press material. It's super nuts. It's, a uh, it's for for reference. the The aquarium is pirate themed. Why not? Because why sure. not? Um, it is known as the Ship Shape Aquarium because, yep, because Capcom. And uh, the whale's trainer is Sasha Buckler because yeah, Sasha because Buckler oh, because man. Capcom because fuck you, Capcom. Um, <laughs> it's it's amazing. The characters in this in this chapter run the gamut of you hate them so much you fall in love with them. To like, they're so unsettling or bizarre that you're like, oh, it's this guy again. I don't know if I want to deal with him. <laughs> yeah, I find like I'm in the third case in the game, and uh, there's one guy in there that's really disturbing visually. Aristotle means. Yeah, yeah, Professor means. Yes, I, that's probably the craziest design I've seen so far. He looks like a, he looks like a Greek bust. Yes. Yeah, including he, his complexion. He actually cracks under pressure. Yes, he does. He literally cracks. So, if you haven't if you haven't picked up on this, um, the attorney, the attorneys, the well, the three main attorneys, they're Apollo, Athena, and the Phoenix. They're all they're all Greek mythology things, um, by the way, which makes the arrival of Professor Professor Means kind of like, oh, Capcom, you're crossing the stream. Stop it. <laughs> but um, it's like the meta jokes in this particular chapter. All the fish puns to the point where the game is acknowledging we're giving you way too many fish puns right now. And, like, <laughs> they're using fish puns to tell you how overboard the fish puns are getting. You're like, oh, Capcom, why? Why do you do this to me? Why do I enjoy this kind of just abuse? It's, it's remarkable. It's a lot, of, you could tell a lot of work went into making a DLC chapter. 
And that's really kind of what I want to see out of my DLC. It reminds me a lot of how we felt when we discussed the Fire Emblem DLC, where this stuff is completely segregated from the main game. You know, you can get the experience of the game and not feel like you're missing anything. Um, it's completely story independent. In the case of Fire Emblem, they shot you off to a separate dimension. It's like, no, no, you're in a whole different dimension now. This DLC is not even in the same world. Um, but in this game, they're saying, well, yeah, it's, it's it's just part of one of the gaps in time that takes place. And it's just... Han Solo's frozen carbonite and Dash Randar comes in to save the day. <laughs> no, this is just a regular, a regular day in the life of an attorney working in <laughs> Los Angeles, Japan. Um, <laughs> Defending uh, killer whales. The moment where you encounter, like, the, you know, a character who only speaks in rap. And his last name is Rhymes. Oh, freaking Ooh, first name Busta. No, thankfully not. Um, first name Sick. He's just like you. Just like yep, yep. Capcom. This is this is what Capcom it does. Fantastic. It's so it's it's the exact right line of this is so incredibly stupid that I love it. All right. Well, we've talked a lot about Ace Attorney on this podcast over the past few weeks, yep. but it's it's nice to hear that uh, it, you know this is probably the conclusion of Ace Attorney Five. Uh, but it sounds like yep. it ends on a really high note and uh, gives you gives us really high and I, yes. something to really look forward to as we uh, mm. play through the the main game. Yeah, I, I felt like the game hit a slump with the second case. I didn't really care I, for it. I, I did. Wrestlers. I did too. I just felt it went on way too long. Case yeah. Case Two is is one of those ones where. They they keep trying to shift the, your attention, mm. mm-hmm. and a lot of times those can get really both mentally taxing because they're constantly moving the goalpost on you. You know, but this is what's important. No, this is what's important. It sounds like this it has an important. upward swing after case two, though. Oh, case three is nuts. Oh, and yeah. case four and five are super nuts. Cool. And then the DLC case is just. <sighs> yep, that's what I want. Okay. Awesome. Yep. Why don't we finally get around to Nate and what you've been playing? And I, I, Nate, I would think it's very hard to follow up the zaniness that James just described, but you might have the perfect game to do it. Uh, not as much zany as uh, esoteric, but yeah, maybe. Um, so I'm going to talk about Proteus, which came out on the PC in January, I think. It mm-hmm. just came out on uh, Vita and PS3 recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to preface that by saying the time that I've had to play and pay attention to video games has actually dropped pretty precipitously in the past few months, uh, kind of to the point where, like, expressing my interest in playing a thing is the most acknowledgement I can give to it, unless I'm, like, actively writing about it. But mm. <laughs> part of that has to do with time. The other part is that recently I felt like I'm tolerating games more than actively enjoying them. Hmm. And by that, I mean, like, and I'm making generalizations here, so take all of this with a grain of salt, but, like, a lot of modern game experiences have this feel of being very cluttered and very narrow and sort of sort of desperate to cater to some sort of expectation or legacy or whatever through being, like, overly long or loud or intense or things like that. And then, as well, a player... look at that. Mr. Andrews is too good for video games. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you've got me. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Wow. Um, I mean, just, like, as a player... You know, like as the person on the end of that content tube, you know, there's mm. just there's just a lot you have to put up with sometimes. And like, sure, this is probably just me being like overly cantankerous about the entertainment I consume, but that's where I'm kind of at with games right I, now. I feel that way about movies sometimes, but you know, I I think in in movies maybe there's for a longer time there's been a a broader spectrum, and so 
if the if the new blockbuster things coming out all summer long are just a little too much for you, they're a little overblown, a little desperate to uh, to capture your attention. There's usually something on the complete other end of the scale that you can run to shelter, um, and, and that has not always been the case in video games. But I think more so now than ever, there there is a, a much broader range of experiences you can have. Definitely, definitely, and I, I, games are just such a time sink sometimes, and it's hard to get into things a lot of the times but that's why i like proteus so much and that's probably why it's like one of my favorite games of the year so far yeah. um just to give context to what it is it's like it's kind of like dear esther or uh the stanley parable as a more recent example uh it's the kind of game like a terrible person on the internet might call a walking simulator or an anti-game or like some other kind of terrible bullshit but the gist of it is um you start each new game quote unquote, in the shallow water outside an island, which is randomly generated each time you play. And then you do a lot of walking around from a first person perspective. Um and in the interest of not spoiling a lot of what is a very worthwhile and intelligent game, um, I'm gonna try to hold off on approaching what its greater purpose kind of is and what the situation and yourself in it happens to be. Because a lot of people have written some very smart things on that already um hmm. and that's it's more than i have time to get into here but there's an article on gamma sutra that's that's very good about getting into that well i i need to i need to look into that i i've i've played proteus through i played through it once plan to go back um but what i gathered out of it is is not some like larger theme or statement uh, on the world it was mostly just hey drugs are really cool and this game's pretty Okay, which so I'm, I, which I'm fine with. I no, mean, definitely. I I mean, it is something that you can enjoy on a on a surface level once, and then you know never really need to go back. Mm -hmm. to it. It's it's like a half hour thing if you if you want to have that experience. But um, Ian Bogost on Gamma Sutra has a really good article about uh some of the things that it gets into. But uh, you're mostly walking over these landscapes, which are sort of like you know like a painter's palette of pixelated foliage and geography but you're not really as much walking as you are floating you kind of move quickly but there's no like accounting for your footsteps or the movement of your head or like any of the other kind of realism that's always grafted onto first person games um it's the way you would kind of move in a dream mm -hmm. which is like a pretty succinct way of what proteus feels like yeah um, so, but the, uh, the the games that you uh, mentioned earlier, the Esther and Stanley Parable, they, they're both narration heavy, right? Like, th does this have any yes. like text yeah, that you those find? Those both actively those actively have narration. This one is just uh, it's scored. It yeah, it is okay. scored, and there is uh, there's ambient audio, and uh, it's it's got like a very heavy nature sort of. Okay, but there's but no British guy. No, no, no. You know, no, heavy-handedly heavy telling you what you're supposed to think. No, but when I say it's scored, that's probably not doing it enough justice. The the music and the sound effects are very dynamic, and they're very much um, tied into where you go and and what you look at and how you move around the environment. And uh, and so I, I almost made this might be overly uh, you know cutesy, but I almost said that the music is your narrator in this game, but it. You know, it's, I think that's I not think that's entirely false either. 
Um, cause the, the music changes a lot as you play the game and it changes in relation to what you're doing. And in fact, because there's no action button, there's no jump, there's no attack, there's no run, there's, there's no talk to, th- there's no look at things, there's no button to push in Protea. You can play the whole game with, with a, a trackpad or, or a joystick. Um, because of that, it feels like the way that you move around and look at things and activate these different sounds and these different tones in the music, that is the way in which you interact with the game. And because it's so focused on that, once you find that little element of interactivity, I found myself kind of latching onto it. And I found that was enough. You know, as long as I can focus on that and driving the music and sort of guiding the music in a way that I find aesthetically pleasing, that became essentially the game mechanic for me. And uh, and I found it very enjoyable. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, it definitely does change depending on where you go. Like, for example, I was drawn to a mountain that happened to be on one island. And then at the top of the mountain, there was snow and nothing else like you'd expect. But, you know, I could see the owls flying below and the clouds rolling by as they rained over the grass and snow on another mountain way out in another direction. And it was just a really sort of like an almost holy feeling of just being lost and and finding these very small experiences. Hmm. I think there there's an there's an aspect of fantasia to it. You know, if you if you really like the fantasia movies, there's something about the way that the the visuals and the and the music tie together and they don't really tell a story. It's more of like kind of a tone poem. It's like it puts you in this weird state of mind. Um and, uh, and, and I think the, the, you know, and some people look at Fantasia and they say, that's, that's stupid. It's like a long music video. You know, there's no, there's no plot to it. The characters don't even make sense. It's like hippos turning into clouds, turning into whatever. Um, but if you, if you like that kind of weird mashup aesthetic experience of, of Fantasia, I think you might like Proteus. Just, I mean, it's a very, it's very much a video game take on that. It is very much 8-bit. Um, it, it, it uses sound effects and it layers them on top of each other to create the, the music that you're listening to. So, I mean, it's, a, it's, you know, it's a very different style, but I think it's a similar kind of experience, but it's also interactive. In a lot of ways, yeah, it's, it's structureless, but it's structureless without being aimless or empty, you know, yeah. the way something like Skyrim often is for all the stuff in that game. Yeah. And it's, it's really nourishing through that space that it creates without being overbearing. Like it's totally an art game, you know, and if if you if you hate that sure. kind of thing, you may not like it. But it's not just a, it's not to me like the Stanley parable is kind of it's really just kind of trying to make a statement and that's kind of all it cares about and it's maybe Up funny its but own ass is the correct way to say. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I really do think it is and and you know, I I guess you could you could argue that Stanley parable is worth playing cuz it's funny. I don't think it's funny. I, I played the demo. I didn't think it was funny at all, and I said, "Well, I'm not. I think I'm not going to play the ways the designer didn't intend." That game is impressive for different reasons, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, but but you know, the best thing I can say about Proteus is even if you're not interested in, you know, whatever kind of weird things you can extract out of it, it's really cool. It's just and it's really, not going to waste your time. No, I mean, it's very short. You can play through it, and you feel like you get a very complete experience. And, uh, and, and it's just uh, going through it. I was just like, this is so cool. I mean, I just loved walking around it and listening to it and looking at it. And I, I, like I said, I mean, I enjoyed it on a very superficial level, but I really enjoyed it. So yeah, that, that kind of raises, uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of people see Proteus and the first question is, is this boring? Because, you know, well, it's like, like what, you, what mindset you so are little, you in? Yeah. 
No, I understand. It's, it's what do just... you want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want uh, from me? Uh, I think I, it, if it was five hours long, it would it would be boring. But it's not. It, sure, it's yeah. not even close to that. So, um, and do do you see like it, are there elements that pop up every time that you haven't seen before? I mean, like, um, like you've played it three times. Are there things that were not there before that are now there? So, you know, like what, something new. What I would say to that is, since it is these islands are randomly generated, the thing that I get out, get out of it most of the time is just the way that the kind of the geography of it flows together. I just mm. I, I really enjoy, you know, kind of traipsing around an island and seeing things from each different perspective. Mm. Cool. Yeah, I, I I've been meaning to go back and play through it again, and uh, you're making me really want to do that now. So, um, and, and it, it seems like the kind of game that's destined to be on PlayStation Plus at some point, you know, I, it's only $10, I want to say, mm, um, yeah, something like anyway, that. so I mean, it's, it's not hard to get into, but, uh, it feels like the kind of game that, you know, that will probably end up on PlayStation Plus at some point. So if you haven't already checked it out, that maybe that's a, a good way for you to, to try it, but, uh. I really like it. I just, so. I just want to be the first person to find a dungeon in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. But, but all it does is makes you, makes you wonder about your mother and where you were. <laughs> <laughs> just ask you hundreds of rhetorical questions about your relationship with your mother. <laughs> all right. Well, wow. Nate, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you talked about that. I would not really have known how to even engage on the topic of Proteus, and I think it's a, it's a difficult game to discuss. Uh, it's a difficult game to describe to people, especially to describe to them why they might like it. Um, but it, it, it's worthwhile talking about, and uh, and uh, it's a kind of game that we don't talk about on the show too much. And unfortunately, it's kind of game that you don't find on Nintendo platforms very often. But that may mm-hmm. that may be changing next year. You know, their their indie initiative is uh, has we've been hearing about it for months, but we haven't really seen the products of it yet. Uh, just a, a couple things here and there, but it's not like the steady stream. You haven't, uh, you know, still a lot of, of indie games that have been announced for Wii U and 3DS that haven't actually come out yet. And I, I think a lot of them are you know, kind of more retro platformers and, you know, JRPG tributes and stuff like that. I mean, so a lot of more traditional stuff, but I think some of them are, um, you know, uh, kind of more in the, in the, in the artsy realm and, uh, you know, more experimental games. And, and I like those too. And I hope that they, some of these start to, to show up. And actually, one of them maybe we could talk about here, um, a game that uh, just came out on Wii U and, and Guillaume and I have both played is Edge. And, uh, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not that experimental, but it, it, it does have like a really kind of weird, uh, art style to it. And Guy, maybe you can describe it better. Um, I'll try. I don't think my forte <laughs> is describing games, but, uh, I'll give it a shot. Um, Okay, so Edge, it's a very simple game. It was originally, I believe, a phone game that mm. uh, the developer of uh, Tokitori, uh, Two Tribes, mm-hmm. has, uh, well, developed and now ported to the Wii U. Uh, they got rid of the touch controls, and so they, they, they mapped the controls to the stick and the, 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 the D-pad. Thankfully. The, yeah, because you can't pad. implement those on Wii U. No, yeah, I don't think you would want to. I, th- I think it's... Really? It's a, This is a... It is a platformer. I mean, it's yeah. It's a puzzle platformer. I would much rather play this with a joystick. Isn't isn't that kind of an open admission that their cell phone version wasn't very good? Sure, probably. Mm, That's maybe. how. I'm... Although I was kind of curious to try touch controls, and I, I was surprised when I found that they weren't there. You um, think they'd just leave them in as an option? Maybe they'll put them back in. Yeah. 
I don't know. <laughs> the the thing is, the, the the port is very much you know like a budget port. I I mean, they didn't add too much to it. I don't think they added anything. Like the game has all the content that uh, the original game and I think like subsequent releases on Steam uh, got. Like there there there's a section like normal levels, uh, extended levels, and then bonus levels. So you know like it it's got all the content, but they didn't go as far as supporting even like the remote. You have to play on the gamepad. Um, no other controller is compatible with the game. You, know, you can do um, you can do off TV play, and look, the game costs sure. two, it's two dollars. I mean, you, sure. you can't really complain about the feature set when it's two dollars, and it. I think it's pretty good, actually. Yeah, but okay. So as for the game itself, it's very like it has this very minimalistic look to it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's basically composed entirely of cubes. All the the playing field, all the levels. Or these series of cubes, like in different configurations, um, seen from an isometric view. And what you are controlling is a cube. And so you make it roll around. And uh, so you navigate these levels that way. And initially, it starts out very simple. You're just uh, going around and picking up little shiny dots on the in, in these mazes. And... Uh, you think initially, well, maybe that's all there is to it. You roll the scoop around and try to find every doodad and make it to the exit in the least amount of time possible. But very soon, uh, they start introducing new elements, like the, the the levels will move, or there will be some sort of like traffic on them. There, there will be blocks that go around in circles and will push you out of the way, and so you have to avoid them to, or you have to climb on them mm. to avoid death or to you know, hitch a ride on them. And eventually you find out that the uh, the edge of your cube is actually sticky. So you can, only in a very, very limited capacity, you can um, stick to a surface, to a wall. And uh, if, you, if you tip too much, then, you know, if it's like a surface of your cube against the, the surface, the flat surface of the wall, then you're just going to slide off. Like you're, you're not going to climb. You're just going to, you know, kind of, uh, it's hard to, it's hard yeah, to articulate. I, I, I don't know how I would explain it any better. It's mm. the, the physics but, of the game are unusual. Yeah. So the edge is sticky and I've been playing with a D pad. I find it a little bit easier, but if you kind of like feather it a little bit, you know, like you can stick to a wall indefinitely hmm. and eventually you're going to have to, and, and very soon in the levels, you're going to have to make use of that because Eventually, you're not going to be able to go on top of a, you know, a moving block and hit a ride on it. You're going to have to kind of stick to it on a side, and uh, to make it through a level, you know, let it take you elsewhere. Yeah, and so yeah, like that. That so that's you know a considerable challenge. I find initially I didn't really get the hang of it, and it's only when I started uh, putting my uh, uh, gamepad, uh, you know, askew like 45 degrees that my mind was able to cope a little bit better with the isometric (laughs) view. And then uh, also like the the whole feathering thing, like it's very, it's very precise. It's very hard to pull off initially when you don't know what you're doing. Hmm. Um, But yeah, like you've got tons of levels and uh, the game is also, you you realize very quickly that it's just there to troll you. you. You'll find you know, you'll think, oh, okay, so I made it across this chasm, I'm safe, and then you get pushed out of the way. Um, and, oh, shit, okay, I didn't see that. And then you make it through another chasm, and you realize, oh, 
crap, I, I stopped on a platform that just falls uh, when you stop on it. And, and so initially, it's a lot about learning the levels. And then eventually, as you learn them, um, you, you can, you know, you can try to beat your scores. But so far, I'm just trying to make it alive through a level. And that's yeah, I, I'm finding it pretty challenging even in the in the early levels i find it fairly challenging maybe just because i don't understand the physics well enough yet um but i i really like it so far it, it also has its own kind of weird kind of trippy style to it the the block yeah. that you're controlling is flashing it's cycling through colors really really fast it looks like an epilepsy machine um but uh it, it looks really cool it's like very almost garish but in a way that that you don't see very often in games. So I actually kind of like that. It's, it's a very bold choice. And, uh, the, yeah, and the it's music got kind is kind of semi chip tunes music. Yeah. It's like a, like kind a, of electronic. a nice variety I'm finding. Like it, there's, it's definitely yeah. not like one song in every level. It's uh it goes through a lot of different songs. Some of them are very busy, very fast paced and, uh, really cool sounding. I was actually, I've been meaning to, uh, to send a tweet or an email to, uh, Garnet Lee. Cause I, you know, he's really into techno, uh, electronic music, and uh, I bet he would dig this game really hard because I think the music sounds really cool, and uh, and it's I would assume it's all original. Uh, I don't know for mm. sure, but uh, it, they just stole it off from the French clubs. <laughs> it's a neat little game. It's like exactly the kind of game that I like to have on download service. You know, it's cheap, it's simple, but it has plenty of content. It it does things a little bit differently than any other game, and uh, mm. it's, it's very original. So. I like yeah. it a lot. And um, I, I'm finding that, uh, well, probably because Mario is, um, you know, uh, grabbing all my attention, but <laughs> I, I kind of wish that I had it on a portable machine instead, and it is coming to the 3DS pretty soon. Oh, I cool. Think. It went through oh, Nintendo's cool. uh, certification process, so, you know, the, the port is done, and Nintendo is looking at it, and uh, we should be playing it eventually. Nice. And, of course, you can play it on off-TV off TV play, but uh, yeah. that's not quite the same thing as having it on a yeah, board. like on the go and uh, yeah. right, yeah. It's a good good middle ground at least. Um, so yeah, that's Edge. It's on Wii U eShop. I I would recommend it for sure. Um, so I'll I'll wrap up new business with uh, a very very few quick thoughts on PS4. And I'm not gonna. There's I could talk about this for much longer, and we don't have time tonight. And please tell um, me about Killzone for half an hour. I actually haven't I haven't played <laughs> Killzone yet. I've I've only installed it, so I haven't even haven't even touched it yet. Um, but, uh, and I, the, the games themselves, I've played a few. I've, I've got Assassin's Creed 4, which I'm enjoying quite a bit, but I haven't put nearly enough time into it. Knack, I think, is a lot better than some of the reviews you've seen. It's not an amazing game, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a good average game. It's kind of a technical showcase, and, um, I'm finding I like the story of Knack a lot more than I would have expected. Hmm. Uh, so I think that game has uh, things to recommend, certainly. It's a brawler. I mean, it, like, if you, if you like the Lego games, but you think they're way too easy, try Knack. Cause it's, it's, it's that simple. It's very basic. Uh, there, there aren't that many moves. There's not a whole lot of variety, but it's satisfying and it's very, very weirdly difficult. So, um, <laughs> you know, if you, if you, if you get kind of a thrill, I mean, it's very old school like that. It has kind of a, almost like a battle toads kind of vibe to it. Not that crazy, but, um, any speed or bike level. I, I've, well, I've heard people comparing it to Mario, and I'm like, that's a really stupid comparison. This is Knack is not a platformer <laughs> at all. The jumping is totally throwaway. It's almost useless in the game. It's it is about running around and beating up dudes and and dodging attacks. It's a it's a brawler. You know, it's just a 3D brawler. It's not a platformer whatsoever. Um, but I, I think it does what it does pretty well, and uh, the the little world that it creates is uh, surprisingly interesting for me. So I've enjoyed it. 
Uh, I think Resogun is really cool. I mean, it's a, it's a very arcadey title. It's not incredibly deep. There's not that much to say about it other than it looks awesome mm-hmm. with the voxels. Um, and, uh, and it's very fun. The co-op is fun. I got to play co-op online with Billy, which was really cool. And, uh, you know, we, we're both enjoying it quite a bit. So, um, I, I think Resogun is really good. It's definitely like a, sort of it's like the geometry wars game for ps4 like it's almost everyone has it because you get it free with playstation plus and uh, it's it's nice to have something that you can kind of jump into play for five ten minutes and then go play something else that that you you know you're not going to play for hours and hours and hours but um but i i really like it um and uh but i i actually the, the main thing i want to talk about with ps4 um because it is the first non-nintendo system i've ever bought at launch actually um, and, I, and I've mentioned before, the main reason I did was just because I don't have a PS3 anymore. I don't have an Xbox 360 anymore. Mm-hmm. So for me, it, it kind of filled in a gap that was left from the flood when all my systems were lost. Um, you know, and of course, the first thing I got was a Wii U. But uh, there, there's a there's another side to my gaming habits that I wanted to fulfill. Um, and uh, and I lost my gaming PC as well. So I have the Surface Pro now, which I'm I'm using right now for Skype. Uh, and I've been surprised at the games that the Pro can run. But it can't run everything. So there's a lot of... Right. There, I mean, it's a tablet. Effectively. Yeah. There, there's a lot of multi-platform stuff that, unfortunately, is not coming to Wii U. And I need something to play that on. And, um, you know, I, I will get a gaming PC. I might, I might actually get a Steam box at some point next year if, that, if the pricing works out on those. And if the, you know, if that turns out to be a pretty good initiative. But uh, for now, it's like I, I, could use a, I could use a Sony or a Microsoft console to play stuff that, that it's not coming out on Nintendo. Uh, so PS4 seemed like the best way to go there. And uh, the thing that has surprised me the most right out of the gate is the uh, streaming technology. So uh, yeah, I had a Twitch account I had set up just to watch Curtis Bonds do his uh, backlog with Kurt Dog uh, streams, which he recently restarted. And if you've never watched those, I really recommend it. He Kurt is is very entertaining. He's a great host, and uh, he's actually a really good player too. I mean, I saw him beat Castlevania on Virtual Console, which is no easy task. And uh, he got all the green stars in Galaxy 2. So he, he's, he's very good. It's very fun just to watch him. But then his narration over the top is is uh, really what makes it incredibly entertaining. And if, you, if you've got a Friday night and no big plans, I'd, I'd recommend tuning into that and, and checking it out. Um, and I really enjoyed interacting with him on that stuff. And so that was my first real exposure to live streaming games. Uh, it's not something I spend much time on YouTube or Twitch or any, you know, it's not, not something I, I really do. I've heard a lot about it lately and I know it's been kind of this growing fad, but I had certainly not tried it myself because you need all this crazy capture card and all this weird equipment and a webcam and you have to set up all these weird server things. And it's like, I don't know. I don't, you know, that, that's, that's way too much work. We to, had, a, we, we took almost two hours to practice our radio stream. Yeah, exactly. Part. That's how old school and low tech I am. Uh, so, uh, you know, all, all the stuff that people set up for these elaborate Twitch, uh, streaming setups, I was never going to do any of that. And the amazing thing about PlayStation 4 is that it makes that stuff extremely easy and automatic because it is all just built into the system. So you plug in the little headset that the system comes with into your controller. And hit one button on the controller, the share button, and you're streaming online. And it will even, you can even um, put in your Twitter information beforehand and it saves all that. And so when you hit share and you say start, start streaming on Twitch, it will send out a tweet for you saying, hey everybody, I'm streaming Resogun, come watch. 
And, you know, in my case, I have enough Twitter followers that I usually get two or three people right away. And now these people are watching me play. And what surprised me was that it actually changed my experience. And it, and it was more entertaining for me to play the game having people watching it. And they, they can uh, type in little chat messages and they pop up on my screen. There, there's kind of a cutout on the screen where they can show that kind of interface uh, material. And, uh, and, and it was fun for me to talk to them. I, in a way, it was kind of like podcasting, you know, it was like, except now I'm playing a game at the same time, which is tough. And I'm the only one talking, which is really tough. And I would love for a way, I don't know if this is technically possible. I'd love for a way to bring in like maybe a party, um, like a party chat. And then all of us, like maybe, you know, the four of us guys could, maybe you guys are watching it on your computers or on your own PlayStation 4s. I'm the one playing and we can all talk about the game as I'm going through it. Or maybe we're all four playing a game together on PS4. We're all playing online. Uh, and, uh, and we can all talk about it together. And then the people watching the stream get almost like a live podcast experience, but with also with video, with game video. Um, I don't know if that stuff is possible, but it immediately threw my head into that space because I was having, um, a, a very similar experience playing games like Knack. Uh, and streaming it online and, and getting to talk to people and people are watching what I'm doing. They're listening to what I'm saying. They're sending immediate feedback and it was really exciting. And now anybody who has a PlayStation 4 and a decent internet connection can do this and it's really fun. And, uh, that really surprised me and it made games like Knack, which again, because it's so basic and it's so repetitive, that game could get old very quickly. If you're just in your room by yourself, you're just playing it, you're just trying to get to the end of it that could become tedious. And if you look at the reviews, it's pretty clear that a lot of people did find it tedious because they had to blast through it in three days to get a review out for launch. I don't have to deal with that, thankfully, but also because I can live stream it, um, that adds a different layer to the experience. And I wouldn't want to do that for every game. I would probably wouldn't want to do that for Mario because it's, it's a fairly complex. I definitely wouldn't want to do it for Zelda. That's a game where, like... Well, see, because I could just sit there in Mario and scream at you to get good. <laughs> <laughs> you could. You, you could. Um, but uh, the, just making my time where normally I'd be on my couch by myself. I'm not talking to anybody. I might even be listening to a podcast. Like, that's how tuned out I am. And I'm just, I'm just mechanically going through the game just to sort of, you know, munch through the content, just to get to the end, uh, just to get the achievements or whatever. Uh, it, it adds a very different layer on top of that that is much more social and interactive and, and honestly very exciting in a way that I didn't expect. And the fact that I don't need a lot of crazy equipment and I don't have to go through a whole bunch of steps to do that, I think that's very impressive. It's, I think it's very significant. And, you know, I, I do kind of wonder, like, is the whole live streaming thing just a fad? Like, in three years from now, is this going to be a feature that, that has become very passe and no one wants to deal with anymore? I don't know. But for no, me, it, I, it was cool because like I have I have no interest in act, but I saw you streaming it the other night and I jumped in the chat and it was really cool to to see, you know, your take on it live and, mm -hmm. and to get that that perspective. Well, I'm curious what based on your experience watching me play knack and listening to me talk about it. Do you think it's interesting? I mean, what what is your reaction to that game? Do you feel qualified to even oh, talk I, about I mean, it? I'm having, pretty, having seen that? Well, no, 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 I didn't. I didn't watch all night, but like, well, I didn't I'm play it all night either. <laughs> 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 I was just interested in what your immediate reaction was mm -hmm. because I, like I don't really care about that game but I value, you know, what you think about it and I think that's interesting. Well, that's sweet. I, 
for for me it was for me it was cool because you know Guillaume and I have talked to, we've sort of joked about maybe sometime jumping on and recording like a whole extra bonus new business just for the two of us just to cover all the games that we don't have time to talk about on the podcast because we play a lot of games and I like playing a large volume and a large variety of games and I wish I could talk about all of them on the podcast because again that's fun we've talked about it before but that's part of how I process. A game. That's how part of how I get closure on a game is sometimes I don't even know what I think about a game until I'm forced to put sentences together and talk about it and react to questions and comments from you guys uh, on, on when we're doing the recording. So for me, it's a it's another way to get that kind of satisfaction without having to deal with the you know the laborious uh, Skype setup and the editing process afterward and having to write a website article and update subscription feeds and XML you know the doing a podcast is very time intensive it's very laborious there's a lot of work that goes into it beyond just the recording and and I know you know this you <laughs> we all we all do the other the other way to do all this is to have people talk about it with in your day-to-day life yeah which mm-hmm. I don't have I, I, and I, I don't have that, and, and I'd, I'd like to have that, but I don't. So um, getting a chance to go on there and talk to people about a game just as I'm playing it, it's very throwaway content. You know, it's not even archived yet. They don't even have that feature enabled. Uh, so, you know, you you know, if you're there, you see it. If you're not, you miss it. But it's still, it was, it, I got a lot of the same effects out of it. So I, maybe, you know, if you, if you haven't done a lot of podcasting, maybe you, you don't really appreciate this the same way I do, or maybe you get something very different when you, when you try the live streaming feature for yourself. But when I heard about that back in, was it February when Sony first showed off the PS4 and, and they talked a lot about that feature, I thought, I can't believe they're spending so much time on this. I would never want to do this. Who would even want to watch me play games? But now that I've tried it, I have to say, like, it's, I could see it becoming very addictive and, and I thought it was very, very fun and I was amazed at how easy it was to do. And I think the, the ease of use is ultimately going to drive a lot of people to use it. And as long as there's an audience out there for that stuff, that's the part that I'm not sure about, especially a few years from now. But right now there is an audience from the people want to watch me play PS4 games. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I felt that, you know, at least in, in certain cases that actually doing so made the game more fun for me than it would have been otherwise. And that was kind of a revelation. So, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. And I, I thought that was pretty awesome. Well, uh, in my experience, if you want to really rock the charts and uh, be popular on YouTube, you have to be annoying when you're playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, some people probably do think I'm very annoying, but uh, it's certainly not my intent. <laughs> I try to be informative, and that, that makes me sound very square. No, you're I think supposed to swear but... and uh, use racist slurs <laughs> and uh, probably a funny voice, like some navel, mm. nasal voice. Work on your nasal yeah. voice. A navel voice. If you want those things, don't watch my streams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm way more boring than that, but uh, but maybe that's a good thing. So anyway, I think that's all I want to say about PS4 for now. I mean, I'm going to have that system for years, so there'll be lots of opportunities. But uh, that was just kind of a my first reaction to it was like, wow, this part of the system that I didn't even think I would probably even bother using, I really like. And that that was a very pleasant surprise. All right. Well, I think that's going to have to wrap up new business and indeed the episode. We, we had so much to talk about, uh, that, uh, we, we ate up the whole episode, but you know, when you got a new Mario and a new Zelda, the same day, not, Nintendo. Yeah. It's, <sighs> I'm not even really that surprised. <laughs> oh, sh- so there's uh, no time for my Mario party impressions. <laughs> did you really get, no, that? get the no. fuck right out? Uh, 
Yeah. You know, I, Kim, Kim Keller reviewed that for our site and, uh, she really liked it. Uh, maybe we need to get Kim on here pretty soon to, to talk about it. Cause that I could see that game being lost in the, in the turmoil oh, of, of the end of the and year. It's their own damn fault. Yeah. They, it was really stupid of them to release that on the same day as Zelda and Mario, but, and, and Xbox and Tearaway. But, um, but, uh, you know, I, I am curious about that game and apparently she, she thinks it's, it's very easy to recommend. So, uh, maybe we'll get her on to talk about that sometime. Cool. If not, uh, certainly go read her review. Uh, we've, we've actually got a lot of reviews up on the site for all this stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a good time of the year to go check out the site. We'll be talking about game of the year stuff and, um, we'll probably wait until early January, but we'll, we'll do our own top fives here on the podcast as well. And I'm, I've started to think about that a little bit, but there's still a few more things I want to try. Anyway, uh, we hope John will be back next week and, uh, I know he's been playing some stuff, so we'll get a chance to, to catch up with him. We will get to your listener mail. I know it's been a little while. Hopefully the telethon was a, an acceptable, uh, substitute in the interim, but, uh, we will be getting back to your emails next week. I promise you that we have been getting some good ones and you can send more excellent questions. And there's so much to talk about. Um, please, uh, send your ideas, questions, uh, comments to RFN at nintendoworldreport.com and uh, you can also check out the link for that in the uh, show notes the article up on nintendoworldreport.com thank you Mr. Nate Andrews for uh, gracing us with your presence and uh, uh, very best of luck to you and in, uh, in your freelance work and I uh, hope you'll let us know actually maybe uh, you should you should uh, tell your Twitter handle so people can kind of keep up with you uh, yeah, so if you actually want to go to uh, nandrews.tumblr.com, you can find links to my work there. Uh, I'm on Twitter at underscore nandrews, uh, where you can hear me tweet about the replacements and maybe a game once in a while. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's excellent. And, uh, yeah, so uh, we, we do appreciate it. Of course, you know, people might remember Nate was on our PAX East panel last year. Did a fantastic job there, and um, you know, hopefully, I, I I hope we said something today that maybe has uh, sparked an interest for you in some of these games, and uh, you know, maybe we maybe if you if you play some more more current stuff, some more Nintendo stuff, maybe we can get you back oh, oh, on I, sooner rather. I don't want to give the impression that I'm not interested in anything. <laughs> I'm not a cold cold old man. <laughs> Just you um, you have to you have your priorities, right? That's yeah. <laughs> understandable man all right well good luck with everything and uh thanks again for filling in this week it was great to have you glad to be here all right and of course as always thank you james thank you guillaume you guys are awesome and uh love doing the show with you even even just (laughs) a a mere handful of days after after the telethon i was still excited after talking to us for like 10 hours (laughs) yeah i was still excited to jump back on and, and talk with you guys for a couple more so uh Love doing this with you guys. I hope people love listening to it. And uh, we'll have more of it for you next week here on Radio Free Nintendo. So thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Um, should we restart the call? Is it bad? No. no oh, okay. Bad. I mean, I'm hosting the call. I he, usually he almost a little bit quiet, but besides that, I'm not noticing anything. Okay, well, if he so gets to the am problem, I? Can... Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. All right.